this. I've carried, I've carried a burden for too long on my own.
I'm done with the hiding, no need to rain. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again. I run, I run to the Father. right now the praise that he deserves begin to lift your hands and clap your hands and bless the God no matter what you're going to you can run to the father your father may be dead and gone but guess what you have a heavenly father who sits forever and whatever you need he's there to get you say run to the father run to the father fall into grace done with the hiding no need to wake my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so i run to the father again i run to the father fall into grace i'm done with the hiding no all over the building. Come on and worship him. How many of you are just glad to be in the presence of God? The Bible says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be around like-minded believers because in his presence there's fullness of joy. You may have some sadness in your life right now. Life may not be going exactly how you want it to go, but I've come to you to give you a prescription for your pain. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I dare you to get in his presence. In the presence of God, there is a peace that passes all understanding. In the, in the presence of God, there is a joy unspeakable. No matter where you are, you might be on the bottom rung of life and just barely hanging on. I dare you just to say, Lord, I want to be in your presence. I surrender to you. Is there anybody that will surrender to God today and give him all the praise and all the glory? Begin to bless his name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you with honor. We come to you with praise. We thank you for allowing us to be in this space today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to give you worship. And Lord, you know who you want in this building. You know who you've assigned for this day. You know who you want online. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word will be specific to their hearts, God. That your word will come into us and emanate into us and change our lives for the better. Lord, we don't want just a dry sermon, God. We want your words of life to permeate our hearts and permeate our minds and create change so that we may be able to reach the lost, teach the found, and change the world one life at a time. We give you praise and thanks for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap.
as we prepare to go to the word of God. You can remain standing if you like. We're about to get into the word. We're not going to take long, but I want to thank all of you who have shown up today to make this service special. I don't know if you know it, but since the beginning of creation, your name was on the roll to be here. God preordained you to be here. So if you're here, you're not here by an accident. You're here because God wants you here today. God has something specific in your life today that he's trying to do with you through worship and through the word. And I'm so glad that you said yes to the invitation for him to come. However you came or whyever you came. And I know whyever is not a word, but it is for me. I'm just glad that you're here, amen. Um, we want to thank all those who have given to the Pusarskis, uh, those of you who are online um, and that do online worship. It's on the Encounter Church page, but it's also on our website, uh, www.encounter360.org. Uh, if you're just hearing this for the first time online, uh, one of our families has uh, lost their home and we're blessed to be a blessing. And thank you for those who are giving. You can go to www.encounter360.org and you will find a link for the GoFundMe page um, that we're trying to raise. I believe $50,000, but they need at least $5,000 and they need it really fast um, to do some things. And so for those of you who are responding in love, whatever you can do, we're grateful for that. I want to thank Brother Elazar who had the page up and running before we even started or finished service. He was right on it and I thank you for doing that. Uh, and as we're headed into Easter, I want you to keep on your mind, we're heading into Easter season. God does some special things in Easter and I want you to pray about what God wants you to do and what he wants you to give. We want this Easter to be even bigger than last year. Uh, we want to bring in some people that may not ever see Jesus Christ. You know, some people, they the only time they'll make it to church is on Easter, and we don't fuss at those people about that. We use that as an opportunity to share Christ with them. If they have kids, we want everybody here, and that takes resources. So if you want to pray about what the Lord wants you to give, we don't want to do just one bounce house today. We want to do two. Uh, we want to do tons of things for the kids and for fun afterwards, and uh, the ultimate goal is to get them in here to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Paul said, I am all things to all people that I might win some. In other words, I'll do what's unorthodox to get somebody to the orthodox God of the universe. And so that's what we do. We are starting a new sermon series today. No fancy title. This is a teaching series that we're going to go through. It's the book of Philippians. If they'll pull it up on the screen, uh, we may not do the entire book, but as the Lord start here, uh, Philippians chapter one, uh, thank you to the praise team and to all uh, the musicians. I'm so grateful. Uh, Turhan, I miss you when you're gone. <laughs> I, I'm glad for everybody, but uh, Turhan has the tour and he travels the world a lot of times, but we miss him when he's gone. I miss each one of you when you're gone. Uh, for the Pazarskis, I want you to know that you're not alone. We are praying for you um, and uh, we are there with you. The book of Philippians. Y'all ready for the word? The book of Philippians chapter one. If you're able to stand, stand. If not, you can sit where you are. Uh, starting at chapter one, verse one, going through the first 11 verses. Philippians chapter one, starting at verse one, going through verse 11. Our custom is to read the word together because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. It reads, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. With the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my joy, my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who became, began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the, at the day of Jesus Christ. It is, the right, is it right for me to feel this way about you all? Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that you love, your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. I want to 
hang my hat on verse 4 and 5. Always in ever prayer of mine for you. Always making my prayer for, uh, with, for you with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day into now. I want to speak to you from this scripture, other related scriptures, in aid of the Holy Spirit about the power of partnership. The power of partnership. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to take the time to thank the media team back there. Uh, my, my daughter is leading that, and a lot of times I hear people online, and they say, I see one daughter, I don't see the other. Uh, where is she? That's because if you can see the other two daughters, it's because of the daughter in the back uh, that, that's working with the media team back there. And she works really hard, and she doesn't ever say anything. I, can we give her a hand clap? She does a lot of stuff back there. We reach thousands of people in, um, outside of our local church body, and we're grateful uh, for that in the month's time, uh, for what God does. In the book of Philippians, the power of partnership. Hmm. Have you ever been into a room, and you walked into a room, and you weren't necessarily the intended audience? You walked in, you were a visitor with somebody else, but just because you were with someone else, you became privy to some information that changed your life. It had nothing to do with you. You weren't even supposed to be in the room, but you were a guest in the room. But God put you in that room so somebody could let you overhear a conversation that will bless your life. And because of that, you're happy. Well, that's what's happening to us today with the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is not a book that was actually intended to be circulated throughout the churches. Uh, if we look at the book of Revelations and many of the other epistles that are written, Paul writes them to the churches and he writes them back and forth so that they can send them from church to church. But the book of Philippi is actually a personal letter from Paul from himself to Philippi to thank them for their kindness and to thank them for um, to thank them for the things that they had done for him in the in the gospel. And that's why you don't see as many of the things in the first part of it that you usually see in Paul's letter that Paul is giving them a conversation from himself and we get the benefit of being in the room. Aren't you so glad that God allowed uh, the word of God to be written down so that we could hear today what he was saying even back then and so glad that the words that were spoken back then are still relevant to today. They still speak to our hearts and to our minds today and we get the benefit of listening on those conversations that have resounding effects. Although this is not a letter that was intended for circulation, Paul sends this letter to Macedonia. He sends it to the country of Macedonia, which is northern Greece. That's where Philippi is located. If you don't know where Philippi is, ask Brother Bob because Brother Bob is Macedonian. Macedonia was set up by the father of Alexander the Great, Philip of Macedonia, who took over that place in 357 and made a port city there. And right there in that continent of Europe, that there was the first ever church, European church established, which was the church at Philippi. Paul had established that church and by the time he writes back to the Philippians again, he's actually gone through two or three different missionary journeys. And this is a unique letter because through all of the theme, Paul uses one word over and over. For my Bible theologians, those who like to study the Bible, you'll know what keywords are. That means that you look in the Bible and there's a certain word that's over and over again. That means that's a theme in that part and you should really pay attention to what's going on. And Paul continues to use one word. Is it a short word? It doesn't have a, a lot of syllables to it. It just has one syllable and that word is joy. <laughs> joy is a powerful word. Joy is a powerful word because it goes beyond happiness. Many of us uh, look for happiness and in our culture in America we do that. We say we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with by their creator with certain unalienable rights being life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? happiness. We as Americans have been taught to pursue happiness. The only problem with that is that happiness depends on happenings. In other words, when things don't go the way I want them to, I cease to be happy. 
Now, that's a good thing. That's a good pursuit to try to pursue the best that God has for you and to pursue to be happy. But I've come to tell you that if you're in this room and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not just a citizen of the United States or, or, or a potential citizen of the United States. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are not just in a global kingdom, but you are in a universal kingdom that the God of heaven, the God of earth, the God of un the universe has given you a higher calling and a higher perspective and God doesn't just want you to pursue happiness that comes up and it fades and it comes and it goes I get a new car I'm happy I get a car note I'm sad I get a new house I'm happy I get a car I get a mortgage and I'm sad I get a new job I'm happy I get overtime I'm sad God wants us to have a life that goes beyond that. Even for those of us who say, I got a new spouse, I'm happy. They're complaining that I didn't pick my clothes up. I'm sad. We're up and down. We're always never even killed. We're always going up on these emotional roller coasters. And God doesn't want us like that. So God gave us something that goes beyond happiness. He doesn't want us to have the pursuit of happiness, but he has, wants us to have the pursuit of joy. See, joy is something that the world doesn't give. The Bible says that the only person who gives joy, joy unspeakable, is God himself. And that when God gives you joy, it is so powerful. You know why? Because joy is not affected by what's going on in life. Things can be going bad all around you. And people think that you need to lose your mind. And you have a very strong emotional quotient. You're able to take changes and up and downs in life. But everybody has a breaking point. But I've come to tell you that where your breaking point begins, that's where God starts. That there's nothing that happens to you. There's nothing that's going to happen to you in life that God can't protect you from and God can't bring you through. God does not take us away from all the ups and the downs of life. He does. It's a false gospel to say that once you start to take Jesus as your Lord, that everything in your life happens correctly. Everything happens and you never get a bad report from the doctor. You never get bad news. That is not the Christian life. God doesn't do that. God doesn't protect us from the fire. He doesn't stop the fires from burning but he does us today modern wise like he did with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego the three Hebrew boys he did not stop the fiery furnace from burning but he stopped them from burning in the fire God may not stop your trial. He may not stop your sickness immediately. He may not fix your situation as fast as you want, but God will give you something that the world can't understand. He will give you peace. He will give you peace that passes understanding. He says, peace that I give unto you, not like the world gives, because the world's peace only is happy when your bank account is full. The world's peace is when all your children are well. The world's peace is when you have a place to to lay your head, but I'm going to give you a piece that says the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the son of man has no way to lay his head, but yet he still has peace. He has something that's invaluable that money can't buy. We just finished the series on cycles, saying that life is a series of decisions, and our decisions determine our direction. And if we don't divert those decisions, they will denote our destiny. Some of us, if we'll be honest, are not right at the place in life where we envisioned when we were children. If we were honest, when we what we said we wanted to be with kids, we're not the type of body we said we want to have. We would have the type of marriage we want to have. We don't have. There's a lot of stuff in life we don't have. But I've come to tell you that wherever you you are God will still give you peace to be able to live the life he is calling you to do we are not preaching a man-centered gospel but we are preaching a God-centered gospel where we're not worried about the things that fade we're not worried about seeking up treasures on earth where moth can come in and steal I'm a financial advisor by trade an investment advisor and I've come to tell you your 401k can have more zeros than a calculator but at the end of the day one world tragedy can bring that from five million to zero and I want to give you something that your 401k can't give you whether you have much or little if you have the peace of God you have everything that you need
I've come to tell you that life has not always treated me the way that I thought it should treat me. And it hasn't always given me every break that I thought I should have. But I've come to look that I'm still here and I'm clothed in my right mind. And I still, as the old folks used to say when I was growing up, the seasoned saints, I have a reasonable portion of my health and strength. I may have a few more pains at 41 than I did at 18. But thank God I can still get up and stand and proclaim the goodness of God. You might not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you could be. You ought to give God praise. We give him glory for what he's done. Paul is telling us that we should have joy in his letter. And this is the most intriguing thing about it because Paul is not sitting on Egyptian tweed sheets when he writes this letter. Paul is not eating escargot and filet mignon. Paul is not ordering his steak extra rare so he can get the extra flavor from it. What Paul is doing is Paul is living in a Roman jail. They're not the jails like they have today. They don't get three hots in a cotton. They don't, they don't have TV. They, they, even in the deepest parts of the jail, there are rats and there, there's infestations and, and, and there are chains around you. And there is no bathroom where you are is the bathroom. Paul is living in squalor and he's living in pitiful conditions. But even in those pitiful conditions, Paul seems to muster up some joy. We see he derives the point home in order to reach our goal. We must have unity. When we look at what Paul is saying and he's addressing the church, he says some things that are important for us to know. Even in the midst of what he's going through, he says to all the saints and the overseers, I thank God for you, those who are at Philippi and over, with overseers and deacons. Well, Pastor, we're talking about the, pro, the power of partnership. Well, where did that come to play? The reason Paul is joyful is because Paul is suffering, but he's not suffering alone. For all those people that Paul has helped, all those people that Paul has taken the gospel to, the reason he is he is writing this letter to the Philippians is because the Philippians have selected a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus has brought gifts financially and other things to Paul. And they have done things to partner with him and the gospel. And so he's addressing the church. But I've come to tell you, not only does he address the church, but the first thing he says is to the saints who are in Christ Jesus with the overseers and the deacons, Paul addresses not only the church, but its leadership team. Church leadership is vital in moving forward a healthy church. I thank God for the leadership team that we have here, and we are yet and still building here. God has allowed us to begin to build something special in this place. Amen? God is working with some things in this place. He is helping us to build leaders, and those leaders will help to build other people, and we're here for unity and one common goal that we are building to equip the saints of God as people to win souls. Everybody said win souls and to do ministry. <laughs> those are the two primary things. That's why when you see Encounter Church, you see those three words under there, reach, teach, change. Why? Because our primary goal is Matthew 28 and 20, to reach the what? Lost. And once we catch the lost, we need more people to go get more lost people. So what do we do? We teach the found. We disciple and we train and teach you the way of Jesus Christ. And if you can change just one person in your life, you have changed the trajectory. And by that, you can say that you have helped to what? Change the world. Paul is looking at these people who are partnering with him in ministry. And I want to thank the time, take the time to thank the leaders that are here in this church, whether you are lending an accessory prayer or whether you're cleaning the parking lot or cleaning a floor or doing accounting or teaching a class or singing a song or writing a newsletter article or playing an instrument or inviting someone to church or planning an event or taking out the trash or doing the maintenance on the building or running a camera or welcoming a visitor or bringing a a cup of coffee to somebody or many other things you are both taking on leadership and stewardship in most leadership development classes they will tell you to take ownership but you can't take ownership of the church because it already has an owner it's owned by the Lord Jesus Christ he says upon this rock I will build my church but because he has built it he has called us now to be stewards of it 
He's called us to manage those that are in our care. Well, a local church body will rise no higher than the levels of its leadership. And we are all accountable. Everybody say everyone. Everyone, we're all accountable in partnership for lending our time, our talents, and our treasure to God. Amen. Why do we give it to him? Because it's not our own. Why do we give our time? We give our time because our time is not our own. Because if he didn't allow our heart to beat, our time would be expired. So since he saw fit to lend us a little bit extra, we decide to give a portion of that back to him. We, he didn't give us our talents, no matter how talented or gifted you are at whatever you are. If you have a wonderful mind, if you speak two, four, five, six, seven, eight languages like Paul, whatever the case may be, that mind doesn't belong to you. God is the person that's keeping you from losing that mind, and he has called you to use it for the cause of Christ. If you're more financially blessed than other people, even if you're not, God will show us in Philippians how they gave from their deep poverty, that he's decided that if I let you have anything out of gratefulness, you are to partner with the body of Christ to make sure that the gospel is reaching the other ends of the earth. Right here in Rollo, and this is not braggadocious, but I want you to see what your giving does. Every month there are orphanages in Nepal that receive money from this church for the things that you do. Right now there are kids in Tanzania that are wearing clothes that you sent and going to the hospital with money that you sent. Even over in Jamaica, Sister, uh, Sister McLaughlin has, has been able to send things for years to people. There are people all over the world that are benefiting for things that come right out of these four walls because it's about partnership across the world. That's why I'm so glad at the diversity of our church. We have so many people from different backgrounds because that's what heaven looks like. Paul says, I thank God, verse 3. You can put it up on the screen, chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making with my prayer with joy because of your what? partnership in the gospel from this day to now. Paul is thankful for partnership that has been created. The gospel is spread through partnership and the fellowship of the saints that as we come together in offerings and prayer and worship and service and finance, we partner to carry out the will of God in the earth. What is the will of God? It is God's will that no man should perish. We can't stop men from perishing, but we can go out into the hills and the highways and compel men to come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can do your part. If you can invite them to a concert, you can invite them to church. If you can tell them about your favorite TV show, you can tell them about the online platform. That the same gift of gab that works to invite people to do other things to the things we like are the same things we can use to invite people and introduce them to Christ. Well, I don't have a lot to give. Well, if you have a Facebook account, it helps algorithms and other things on YouTube to get it out. Hit the share button. If you don't know how to hit the share button, find a young person uh, that knows technology and tell them share this for me every week it makes a difference that there's somebody that's going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ God is calling us to partner but I have a question for all of us this morning how is God calling you to partner everybody repeat after me how is God, how is God? calling me See, we are under the impression that the church only works when the pastor sits at the helm and the pastor is the person that does all the work. But I've come to tell you that the pastor is only one brick in a body of many people and that God is calling each one of us to do something. There is nothing, no such thing in the church as a pew warmer. Everybody has something on the inside of them that God has given them that they can do. So I want you to ask yourself a question. How is God calling me to partner with the body of Christ? Where is he leading me to make a difference in my local church body? He's called you in this place, in this space, for a reason. What do you have that someone else does not? Everybody can't play the keyboard, but Turhan can. Everybody can't sit there for hours in prayer, but Sister Wolf can. She's a prayer warrior. 
That doesn't mean there's no excuse to stop praying. Everybody need everybody praying. Everybody praying. I'm making an example. Don't so somebody said, I don't have to pray. Now, yes, you do. We need all the prayer that we can get. But God is giving you something. Somebody doesn't have the finances to give, but other people in this church do. Where has God blessed you where he has not blessed somebody else where you can make a difference? What do you have that somebody else doesn't have? What things can you do that other people may not be able to do? If you see something missing in the church, most times it's because there's a gap that needs to be filled. If I go in any church as a musician, Turhan can attest to this. If the choir is off, we might not say it, but we can hear it. Why? Because there's a problem that we were created to what? Saul, God has created you to solve a problem. He has created you to be many members in one body. You might not think your pinky toe solves a problem, but try to go get around without it or wake up early in the morning, not looking at the end of your bed. And you will realize your pinky toe is pretty important. All of us have an important part to play in the body of Christ. But today I want you to search your heart and say, Lord, where are you calling me? Everybody say in this season. <coughs> Why, pastor, did you say in this season? Because as seasons change, so does your assignment. <laughs> and many times we're not as effective in what God is calling us to do because we're at the brook and the brook has dried up. You may not be able to do what you used to do, but God still has something effective for you to do. What is he calling you to do in this season of your life? Well, I used to do this and I used to do that and I used to be good at that. But what can you do? Well, I used to be able to build this entire church. I can't do it anymore. But can you teach the young people to do what you used to do? So that those gifts will keep moving forward and we could do things for people. That people have things and, and, and they have disasters or whatever the case may be. Maybe they could come to the church and the church could help give them things that money can't buy. You can't afford a contractor, but I'm a contractor. How about that? That, that? That's the type of thing God is looking for. Every ministry he gives you, some of them are outside of the four walls of the church to help the body of Christ wherever they are. They didn't help Paul in, inside of a synagogue. They helped him inside of a prison cell. Some of you can help people on your jobs. Because they have good skills, but they don't know the creator that gave them the skills. What problem were you created and brought here to serve in life? As we are many members, Paul says, in one body, all of us are working toward one common goal. And that's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever he has given us to do, as Colossians says, we are under a charge to do it with all of our might. I'm grateful for the body of believers that we have. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to make ministry go. And, and there are people that won't let me tell what they do. But there are some people and you know who you are that things wouldn't get done if you weren't doing them quietly and using your expertise that you use every day for your jobs and things like that. Bless the church where we couldn't do it with money. You can do it with skill. And I just want to say I'm going to call your names. There are more than one. But I thank you because you're allowing us to be able to take the gospel to other people. Why? Because if you don't go downstairs and fix the furnace when it's messed up, people are going to be cold and they don't want to hear the gospel. <laughs> if somebody's slipping on the steps and breaking their neck because water's leaking everywhere, they're not going to get in to hear the gospel. That God has given you something to utilize to be able to bless the body of Christ. And that is the power of partnership. Paul is writing a letter right now. That we are still reading. Why is he so joyful? Because he knows that in all that he's going through, he is still not alone. See, the power of partnership is phenomenal, especially in times like today when we have cell phones and Apple watches and FaceTime. But however, we are the most connected we've ever been. But sadly, we are the most lonely generation. Because although we've associated on common goals and are often bonded by common beliefs and fellowships, we are not. As we enter into this postmodern society, we have information at our fingertips. There is nobody that should be ignorant because there are search engines all over the world. We are the most connected that we could potentially or possibly be, but most of us still feel How is that? That in an age where 
If I want to get my brother right now, I could click a button and I could see him face to face. When I was little, you could only do that on Star Trek. (laughs) Now you can do that for real. But people are still feeling loneliness in their hearts. Could it be that technology is not the answer, but the partnership and the fellowship and the relationships of the saints? I'm thankful online community. I have somebody and they're watching right now. You know who you are. I joke with them because they say every time I tell you I'm coming to church I get lazy and I sit on the couch and I watch it on TV. And they, they told me this week, they said I'm coming. I said I'll see you online. And, and, and guess what? They're watching right now online. Don't, don't tell them who you are. But we're, we're grateful for that. But guess what? You can only get so much online. It's one thing to watch a picture of a fireplace. It's another to sit in the fire. Because there are some elements that you miss, that you can see visually, but you can't feel out of, feel with your body and the heat and the kinetic energy coming off of that fire. You can't feel it. So there are some things that can't be replaced. You can never, as, as technologically advanced as we are, and I love to be technological. You guys know me before COVID ever hit. I was putting up cameras and people thought I was crazy and we were giving online. I'm great. I love technology. But there are some things that cannot replace fellowshipping together. That's why Hebrews says, forsake not to to, to forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Why? Because there are some things when I see your face and I see the empathy in your heart, there are some things that prayers, they just feel different. When you're here to lay your hand on my head, somebody needs an embrace or a godly hug. There are some things that online television can't do. You need the partnership of a local church body. So when things are hard, you can lean on we all have one common belief one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all paul said who is above all and over all and is through all and in all there are some things that carry a weight of responsibility as we partner because these are the things we need to realize that we are both responsible for the commission of christ but we are responsible to our fellow believers in other words if you don't pay your bills i'm not responsible for paying your bills for you that's yours but I am responsible to you that while you're going through if I have some skills or some encouragement while you're going through I'm responsible to give you that encouragement that I'm responsible to not see you suffer and turn a blind eye and act like I don't see what you're going through that's the beauty of this fellowship when I come uh, it, it is it is actually how should I say this? It's the most beautiful and chaotic time of morning, the first part of Sunday morning before we get there. You know why? Because I love it, and at the same time, I'm flustered. Why? Because I'm trying to get things done, and people are coming to me, but everything happens is everybody stops me, and they want to connect with me and talk to me about what they've been going through, and I, and I endure that. You know why? Because I love the fact that although I have things I'm trying to get done, there's nothing more important, whether the service starts on time or it doesn't, than connecting with somebody who needs somebody to listen they can wait five minutes I know we got the five minute countdown I'm a stickler for starting on time but if I have to wait 10 minutes because somebody's going through something and we have to pray over on the side that's fine we don't get so caught up in agendas that we forget that the real reason for church is partnership and loving on people and and giving God the glory we're here to love on people that are going through tough and hard times. Paul has joy because in the middle of prison, somebody decided to put together an offering and say, come here, Epaphroditus. We have money and other gifts. We want to let Paul know we can't go through what you're going through, but we can let you know that we know that you're going through and we'll give you something to help you while you're going through. We have some responsibilities and I want to talk to those. Everybody said the responsibility of prayer. We need to know that partnership and prayer is vital for the healthy body. Paul says, always in every prayer of mine, verse 4, for you all making my prayer with joy. If we're reading this too quickly, we'll overlook this and we'll overlook a vital nugget because it's in the introduction. But Paul is letting us know that he is committed in prayer for the Philippians. Always in prayer, he says. He is committed in prayer. 
Not only is he committed to prayer for them, but he does it with joy. Even though he's in prison and they're living a life that he doesn't have, most people get mad if they live in an apartment and you live in a house. They don't want more for you. They're not going to pray for your good because they're mad that they don't have. But Paul is looking at people are free while he's in prison and say, I'm on assignment still to pray for you. They have supported Paul financially in other ways. And as a matter of fact, this entire letter is written as a response to that. And as Paul thanks them, he lets us know something vital, that he is consistently praying for them. And I have a question for us this morning. I have a lot of questions that we need to take and answer ourselves. Do I have a consistent prayer list? Do I have a list of people written down that I pray for every day? People that I go to God for. Or do I do the normal Christian thing and say, I'll be praying for you. You see something on it. I'll be praying for you. Say that you don't. I've stopped saying I'll be praying for you. You know what I do when I see people going through? I just stop and pray right then. No need to tell you what I'm going to do. Faith without works is dead. I pray for you right then. Do I have a consistent prayer list? Who is on that list? A list of people that I consistently go to God with. And, and, and when God was giving me this, I couldn't hold it anymore. I put it on Facebook because it was just too much in me. This was rich. It said prayer is too powerful a tool only to use when tragedy strikes. In fact, prayer is what keeps some tragedies at bay. Do you not realize that it is the prayer of your parents and your grandparents and your mothers and your fathers and seasoned saints sometimes that kept you from danger when you didn't have sense enough to pray for yourself? Sometimes the Lord will wake me up in early in the morning. I'm, I'm not a fan of him doing that. But when he wakes me up, I figured out. I tried to say, well, I'm just going to go back to sleep. It doesn't work until you do. And after a while, my thick skull will get the picture like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I get down on my knees and he'll put a picture of somebody in my face and I, in my mind. And I say, I don't know what's going on, Lord, but I begin to pray for those people. And sometimes you don't know your pastor's praying for you before you probably even wake up in the morning. There are people in my life that have blessed me and said, I'm thankful for what you've done, Pastor Barry. I'm going to assign myself to pray for you daily. And for those people who will watch this later, I'm saying thank you for that. Because that's how the body of Christ should be. We should be so connected that as the old season saints used to say, they used to say, turn on, I don't know if you remember this. They used to say, Lord, draw us so close that one can't fall without the other. <laughs> that if I fall, you feel it. Because we're so interconnected. We're so interconnected that one can't suffer without the other one feeling the pain. Not only do we have the responsibility of prayer, but the next thing everybody said, the responsibility of godly living. We need to say that one again. Let's say that again. The responsibility of godly living. Why? Because the way we live and commune as we partner with will bring life to, and joy to others. Paul is blessed by how they're doing. As he's sitting in a Roman prison, because of the fellowship and the kindness of the Philippians, guess what? He is reminded and his heart is filled with joy. I ask you a question today. Do we live such a life of godliness and kindness that it brings joy to people around us? And people going through say, I'm having a, a really rough season in my life right now. But I see how you go through the things you're going through. And you still have a smile on your face. I want that. I remembered when you had family members in prison or when you were sick or when you lost everything. And I would have lost my mind. But you still were faithful to God. And you still had joy in your heart. And you weren't fake and phony. You didn't say that you weren't going through. But you said, God's going to take care of me. You realized and acknowledged that you had issues. But above it all, God was still giving you joy. And I want that because I've tried it with my college degree. I've tried it with my master's and my specialist and my PhD and my certifications. I've searched knowledge all over the world and somewhere in the annals of the halls of congress i'm sure there's a book that tells it but i can't seem to find the book that tells me how to find that type of joy it is in the hall of congress go look for the bible and you will find out where it is And I wonder, do I live such a life that people are drawn to me because there are people that are in prison around you 
You have your own pause in your life to minister to by the way you respond and the way they act. If you're going through troubles in your marriage, be careful how you talk to your friends about troubles in your marriage. You know why? Because they're watching you and they're having trouble in there and they're watching how you respond to know if they can come to you. There are people around you who are in prisons of depression, prisons of grieving. Some in prisons of chronic sickness and failing bodies. And God is calling us to work for him today to release those people from the bounds of negativity and despair. He is calling us to spread the gospel to our neighbors and to everyone that can hear. I submit to you today that our work as believers is not done. I encourage you this morning who are weary and who are tired and those who feel stuck and feel like giving up and don't know what your next step is and it feels like all the world is closing in on you that God is not done in your life you need to be encouraged knowing like Paul told the Philippians that he that begun a good work in you is faithful to bring it to pass to the day of completion why because if you started you may not have the to finish it but if God starts it it's already done and the same God that saved you the same God that raised you the same God that healed you the first time the same got you the first time guess what he can do it again The same God that gave you one job can give you another. The same God that gave you one house can give you another. The same God that can help you to get clean before you relapse can help you to get clean again because he began the work in you. You didn't begin it in yourself and he is faithful to complete what he starts. If you don't get anything else out of this service, I want you to get this. I'm so grateful that I serve a God who finishes what he starts. You may have walked away from God. You may have turned your back on the church. You may have turned your back on religion. But if God saved your soul, you may not have been in church for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But God's still not through with you. If you can hear my voice, he may have started with you. You may have walked away. But he that begun a good work and you can complete it. Because he can finish what he starts. Pastor, why are you so emotional? Not because I'm sad, but because I have joy. I have joy. You can't imagine in my few short years the things that I've been through in my life that will make most people lose their minds. And I've experienced in those things joy. Why? Because I realized something. I experienced the peace of God. I got excited the other day. While we were doing swimming lessons again, because I've always, I had a cousin that drowned when I was young, and I was always scared to swim. And I would get in the water the other day, and it was such an exhilarating feeling. You know why it was? Because I've learned to breathe on the water, and although I can't completely swim on my own, I can float forward, and I can open my eyes. And it was, it was a wonderful feeling to think that a few months ago, I was scared of what I was in, and the very thing that I thought I was going to be able, that was going to kill me, I was sitting in, looking around, surviving in it. You ought to be glad that you may think you've lost everything, but God is allowing you to survive in the very thing that you thought would take you out. That's enough to to give him praise. The sickness they told you that would take you out, you may still have the sickness, but you're still here giving God praise. He'll finish what he starts. When you feel less than and like all your mistakes are insurmountable and you have made too many mistakes for the love of God to forgive you. I've come to tell you this. David put something in my mind today through the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, though my sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. You haven't done anything that the love of God is not powerful enough to cleanse you from. You haven't done anything that the blood of Jesus will not give you forgiveness for. He says, come unto me all who are weary and heaven laden and I will give you rest for your souls 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You hear the, somebody is being talked to by the Holy Spirit right now. You feel the pull of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, yes, I'm real. Yes, you still believe. You try to convince yourself you don't, but I want you to know I'm talking directly to you. I began to work on you and I'm not done yet. He's not talking to me. Yes, I am. Yes, he is. He's talking to you. The last thing is the call to a higher purpose. Everybody said the call to a higher purpose. I've almost preached this point out. But God has a higher purpose for us. And as we yield to him, he will use us collectively with others for his overarching the goal is never man-centered. The goal is always Christ-centered. He's called us for his glory and not our own. Even when we suffer, we should want him to get the glory in our suffering. Even when we're going through, we should give him praise. Why? Because if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And even in my suffering, even when I'm sad, it will draw somebody to them to say, something is different. What kind of God do they have that they should be losing their minds, but they're still saying, I love God. They got that Job-like faith. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But still, blessed be the name of God. That Christian attitude that said, I might not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be and I'm still not where I'm going to be because God won't give up on God because God has not given up on me. Amen. He hasn't given up on you. You may have forgotten him, but he has not forgotten you. He's got a promise that better is waiting on the other side. When do you quote someone you quote someone when what they said can't be said any better. And I wanted to find a way to say this the best way that I could. And I, the only way I could do it is by quoting Paul. Paul says it this way in Romans 8 verse 18. He says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, that there's nothing that I'm going through in this life that won't be that God won't make it better by and by. I remember the season saints used to sing a song to her. Huh? It said, we are often tossed and driven on the restless seas of time. Stormy clouds and howling tempests often exceed the bright sunshine, but in the land of perfect day, when the mists have rolled away, we will understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, We'll tell the story of how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. You might not understand it on this side of heaven, but God is saying, will you trust me? Will you give your life to me and let me give you joy and you'll understand it better by and by. We need each other. We need to partner. Because of the partnership of the Philippian church and Paul, we have this letter to glean from. We need each other. Yes. We're not an island unto ourselves. We're not by ourselves. One of the most wise men that ever walked the earth, he wrote this in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 as we prepare to stand. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall that's it one will lift up his fellow Ecclesiastes 4 9 but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again if two lie together they keep warm but how can one keep warm alone and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What does Solomon mean by that? 
He means, Leith, I need you. And you need me. Sister Barbara, I need you. And, and, and you need me. Alejandro, I need you. <laughs> and you need me. But all, not only do we need each other, they're the third strand in the cord. We need God. How do you keep your family intact? Add God in your family. How do you keep peace in your life? Add God in your life. How do you keep peace in your marriage? Add God in your marriage. They're coming to the altars. You can come. As I, as, as I finish, go ahead. If God is moving on your heart, you don't have to wait for a, a scripted time. You can move now. How do you keep that peace that is passing all understanding? You may think, I've raised my kids and I turned my back on God. Now my kids are gone. They're not gone. He that become a good work. Add back the strand. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I do hear the Lord speaking clearly to my heart, saying, you removed the strand from your life, and that strand with me, and you're broken on the inside. You've seen successful on the outside, but on the inside you're broken, and you can't seem to put it all together. He's saying, put the strand back in your life. Put me back where I used to be. As this altar opens in prayer, prayer team comes you can come and get prayer at this space in this place Jesus all that's good all that's good and perfect it comes from you if you need prayer we have a prayer team if you want to come to the altar by yourself you can you're the heart of my contentment, hope for all.